going to turn now to the Bible. Uh, I'm going to read from the book of Acts, which is the book we're going through in this series. Uh, And so the words will come up on the screen. We're going to read from Acts chapter 7. I'm going to read from verse 44 to 55. And this is Stephen talking, defending his faith after he's been uh, opposed by lots of people. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he'd seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However... The Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth's my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you've betrayed and murdered him. You who've received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Father, we thank you for the Bible. Thank you that you speak as we read it. Thank you that you speak through us and we pray that you'd speak through duty. Lord, teach us. We want to hear what you have to say and we want to respond. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I don't know when we were singing earlier what your kind of picture uh, of Jesus is as we sing about the lion and the lamb. And uh, Jesus is both. He is that gentle Jesus of kindness and compassion and care, but he is the lion. And as we've been singing, there's a sense where we will never contain him in his power, in the roar of the gospel. And at the start of this new year, I found a renewed excitement in me uh, for what God has planned for this church, for this community, by the power of his spirit. Because when we read the book of Acts, We are not faced with a load of brilliant people, (laughs) which is good news. We are faced with a God who has said that his light will never be put out. We're faced with a spirit that says these walls will not contain me. We're faced with some people that are so convinced that Jesus has come back from the dead that they will risk their life, as Stephen does here, that they will risk their life for him. 
And when we try and tame God, we kind of put him back in the box, don't we? We put him back in this very temple that Stephen is speaking to the Sanhedrin about. Stephen here is risking his life. It's easy to think, oh, it's not that controversial what he's saying, but actually it's massively controversial. He is saying within the temple to the people who run the thing, he's saying, we don't need this anymore. You killed the one that came, Jesus, but actually he lives on in us and he's always been unable to be contained by walls. And he says, you know, Moses met him where in the wilderness he met with the living God. You know, where did Joseph meet him? He met him in a prison. In other words, people have perhaps always tried to contain the living God within the walls of church or religion or whatever you might think of it this morning. But actually God has always had a different plan, which is to break out of that. Now that doesn't mean church isn't important he wasn't trying to say that it wasn't good to have a temple or to have a place of worship but actually he was saying that actually the New Testament the living God lives in each of us his power lives in each of us and as we look around at each other this morning on this snowy morning he's putting his hope in us he's putting his power in us and when we look at what people like Stephen did, there's something that says, what got into them? <laughs> now, that's not, so, yes, I know, you're waiting for the tenuous link there, Graham. Um, it's not just a video I like, although I do love penguins. Um, but what I love about that is the reaction of the other penguins as well. Something has got into this guy that everyone's going, what is he having? You know, is he, is he had a Heineken, as the old advert used to say, the, the, the beer that reaches parts others wouldn't. But actually, something has happened. Now, I'm not suggesting that we, if we're Christians today, need to dance around in that way but I am suggesting <laughs> well some of you are doing it beautifully actually maybe we do you too but actually there's something has happened to that penguin and when I watch it I think what's got into him what is it that is making him feel so free and frantic amidst everyone else and actually the call on us if we're Christians this morning is not only to be that temple that now is out there uh, with the Spirit of God. But there is a call to live distinctively. There is a call that this is no small thing. This is a dangerous faith. And the reason we're doing this series, looking at faith, radical faith, is because God has always, always had a plan for us to live radically differently to the way that the world is. That actually as secularism sweeps our nation, uh, actually there is a call on each of us to stand up and to stand out. I was at a, a meeting at a school recently where I was told there will be no more prayer in this school. This is in our country. And I actually spoke up, and I don't often speak up in meetings like that, but I did, and I just said, oh, excuse me, I think you're discriminating against Muslims if you don't allow a prayer room because they need to go somewhere to pray. But actually, I have to say, as a Christian, you will never stop the Christians in your school praying. Whoever they are, you'll never stop them. And there's a sense to which the more you try and stop them, the more they'll pray. And I didn't say that bit. I wasn't brave enough. <laughs> and maybe God stopped me saying too much. But there is that sense, isn't there? If we were not allowed to come to church, as I've said here before, if we were not allowed, dare I say it, to turn up to our prayer gatherings, I suspect we would do anything to get there. People do. They do it all over the world. 
They risk their lives, they walk miles to get there. Why? Because they've been kissed by a vision, because something has got into them that has convinced them that there is a world beyond this one, that there is a heaven that is worth living and dying for. And I wonder if there's a call on us, and with the word that was shared as well, which may be for individuals, but maybe for us corporately, that there is a sense that actually as we go into new waters, as we go into this new year, that God is saying, you know, have, have we lost a bit of that trust in the power that God has put in us? He's put his roar in us, uh, as well as his kindness and his gentleness. I didn't take this photo this morning. Someone tweeted it earlier on in the week and said, my dog is teaching me this morning to be a pioneer. Um, well, I like that picture because uh, it's quite topical for this morning, but actually the dog has gone ahead and he's looking at that and he just tweets about it. But there's almost three folds to that for me. There is a sense of a new year and fresh snow, isn't there? That at the start of this new year, we've got a new opportunity. Uh, the old has gone, the new is here, if you like. But there's also a sense of a track that has gone ahead that as we pioneer, as we break new ground as church, that there is a, a, a saviour who has gone ahead of us in Jesus. And actually there are people like the people of Stephen who were martyred for their faith going ahead of us. Uh, and there's also a sense where we are called to be the, the first steps, that we are called in our schools, in our colleges, in our place of work to actually be a little bit bolder because of his spirit in us. This is not a try harder talk. This is a God is powerful talk <laughs> where actually we can limit him. Stephen was saying you can try and box him in to the temple but he's living in us. And that was an incredibly audacious comment to have made to the Sanhedrin, who believed in the holy of holies, who believed that if you wanted to access God, that was kind of through the holy priest. And suddenly this gospel has broken out and is breaking out all over our world even today. The Most High, he says, does not live in houses made by human hands. Now again, you might not think that was a radical statement, but actually, they'd awe of the fact that Solomon had built the temple. They'd got that bit and that he'd done it with all that help from God. But actually, what they didn't see, what they had failed to see, was this new home for God's spirit, which was the people of God. And I love that bit right at the end that Tim read, that actually said that as he spoke, he saw a vision and he declares it to the Sanhedrin. He says, I see an open heaven. And I see a Lord seated at the right hand. And uh, that I love the fact there was a gnashing of teeth. It's pretty dramatic, isn't it, in the reaction. Bruce Coburn said in a song that he wrote ages ago, but still resonates, like a stone on the surface of a still river, driving the ripples forever. Redemption rips through the surface of time in the cry of a tiny baby. In other words, because God came to earth, as Emmanuel, God with us, in a tiny baby as we've been celebrating at Christmas. He came in the most defenseless form he could have chosen to say, I am with you and I live in humanity. I have that capacity. And, and for the people who always have believed that God lived, if you like, in religion, Jesus turned that upside down. And maybe today you've come with that. Maybe you've come as a visitor and you think, well, you know, religion is a bit of a Sunday thing or a bit of a proper thing, or maybe it was a bit of a childhood thing. Well, yes, Jesus came to actually say it's not about religion. It is about relationship. It's about faith. 
It's about God's power being in us and him sending us out into his world to be that light. Uh, Acts 1 verse 8 gives us a lot of hope, I think, (laughs) when we're down on ourselves or where we're at the beginning of the year thinking must do better, must try harder. This knocks that on the head for us because it says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. It's a promise. It was a promise to the people in Acts, but it's a promise to us that actually we have his spirit. I've been recently meeting with a lady um, and uh, she, I did her strength finder uh, a while ago. She's a counsellor and um, I, I met with her and she just said, oh, would it be possible for me to pay you for six sessions uh, to come and see you because you're a pastor? And before all the trustees start making notes, I didn't accept any money. Um, but she said, I'd like to pay you for that. And I said, well, I'm afraid you can't. You know, um, you can come and see me, but that's not how it works. And she said, well, I'd like six sessions. She's very specific about it. And I said, well, come in and see me that many times, but um, just maybe give a gift to the church if you want to, but that's fine. So anyway, she came the first time, and I can literally say I listened to her for an hour, and at the end of it, she's a Sikh lady uh, who's grown up in that community, and at the end of it, I said, would it be all right if I prayed uh, for you? And I'd love to pray in the name of Jesus because that's how I pray, if that's okay. And she said, yes. So I prayed and she went away. And I had one of those things where I thought, I did nothing there. I listened for an hour, for an hour. And she came with so much expectation of me and she must be going away thinking, goodness, what on earth did she? I gave her nothing other than that prayer, which is quite important. Second time, the same thing happened. I may have said a bit more, but very little third time was just before Christmas and I said can I pray again we prayed again same pattern and she cried she's cried every time I've prayed for her and uh, she just suddenly said Judy I don't know if you're aware of it but she said when we pray there's a third person that comes and it's happened every time should it happen the first time And, and it's happened every time she said that's why I cry because I've never known anything like that now you know, I am just sitting there. That's what I've done. (laughs) So that has to say to us that when the Spirit of God positions us somewhere, no one's going to say, well done for sitting. No one's going to say, well done for being in a cafe or, you know, whatever in a sense. But when the Spirit of God is at work, he's going to put us everywhere and he's going to give us those opportunities. And more and more and more, people are having dreams and visions of Jesus across the world. And I, I think there's something going on with this lady. She's booked in again, so I'll let you know. <laughs> um, uh, but, but it's just one example, isn't it, of, of this incredible spirit of God that we have. Interestingly, at the end of the passage, they covered their ears. And I do believe, and we were at a conference recently where we were warned that actually, in a way, the God of the age is secularism. And that actually we, we need to pray into the fact that in our schools, that in our universities, that, that actually so much of the light is trying to be put out. Uh, and yet we know that the light shines in the darkness and that he's put boldness in us to speak up and speak out where we can. Sabina Vernbrandt, who started with her husband, who started Release International many years ago and was herself uh, persecuted for her faith and her husband uh, for 14 years in prison. She says this, doing the work of God is dangerous. Not doing it is even more dangerous. There were a few oohs and ahs in the first service about that. You may or may not agree with it. I'd love to talk to you about it. But there's something in me that resonates with that. Because we can all get a bit cosy in the West. 
You know, when you go to Romania and I uh, remember a conversation where someone said, you know, you pray for bread for us. We pray for you because you have too much bread. And there is a sense where the danger for us is ease and complacency and boxing in and actually saying, oh, well, we'll stay here in the temple because we like it and we love it and we'll look inward in our groups and we'll look inwards. But actually the call on us is to look outwards, to love this world, to invite people in, uh, to share our faith where we can. Richard, her husband, said this. There was once a fiddler who played so beautifully that everyone danced. A deaf man who couldn't hear the music considered them all insane. Those who are with Jesus in suffering hear the music to which others are deaf. They dance and do not care if they're considered insane. There is something about when we have been captured by a vision of heaven as Stephen was, that we will risk it. And we might be considered a bit like the penguin, got a bit, <laughs> got a bit mad, but actually if something has got into us, if a vision has been painted for us, if our heart has been caught up in the vision of heaven on earth, of spreading his kingdom, then actually we're prepared to risk way more. Um, I've been praying quite a bit recently, as some of you will know, and looking into what's going on in North Korea. And... Um, a while back, I was given the story to write for a monologue of a woman called Mrs. Bay, um, who was trying to get out of North Korea. Her husband had already defected uh, to China, and she was uh, on a journey with her very young son and her pregnant daughter to try and get out. And I, I'd love to just read you just a little bit of that account as we think about uh, this courage that comes from the Spirit of God. My name is Mrs. Bay, and I am not brave. But I believe in a God, Emmanuel, God with us, and God will be our navigator. I told my daughter and my young son as we packed our home in North Korea for the last time, he will be our guide, little ones, I told them. We would go to China to follow my husband, we walked every day, sometimes through snowdrifts packed chest high. I didn't know if we would survive, my young pregnant daughter and my little boy. How would we make it? How would we cry out with no husband by our side? But we did cry out. We cried out to God who walked with us like the risen Jesus walked with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Every day we walked with him. Every day a miracle of hospitality from the North Korean people. I looked at the mountains, the North Korean mountains that stood almost a powerful guard as sentries in the North Korean police. Would we make it to China? One day I realized that the money we had would not be enough for a border pass. We would have to swim for our lives. Swim with a pregnant daughter and a little son. Swim through icy water. Emmanuel, God with us. My little son jumped first and then my daughter. Seven months pregnant, she jumped into the icy water. She cried out to me, Mama, God can be trusted, as she jumped. And then I followed suit. Behind us, the dark of North Korea, impenetrable. But as we swam, there were gunshots, gunshots overhead. People shouting, catch them, catch them. I prayed, Lord, we will survive this. Emmanuel, God with us. And then across the bay towards China, we saw the twinkling lights, Christmas lights. Emmanuel, God with us. We made it. 
my daughter, my grandchild not yet born, and my little boy. Three generations safe to live for Jesus. Three generations that would go on to tell a story of hope and of the dignity and of the goodness of our God and of our nation, North Korea. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it. It's a pretty amazing story, very, you know, fairly recent story, to be honest. But actually, we either think, wow, aren't they brilliant? There's a tendency, isn't there, all of us, to think what an amazing, amazing three people. And yes, that is true. But she begins by saying what? I am not brave. She begins in saying, but we have a God who can be trusted, going back to the word that Tim shared. We have a God that when we jump into the icy water, we can shout, I'm trusting in you. And there will be situations across this church this morning where people are facing that, where we're facing that breaking down of our walls, of our safety, of what we've known before. But actually God says he is with us. He is that Emmanuel God with us. And he lives and works in us and through us for those who are also jumping so that we can walk alongside of them, so we can be their guide in the darkness. I wondered if we could really come to communion with a prayer and uh, look at our response to this because I think we all construct walls of some description. I recently was challenged, and a lot of you have been on the journey with my dad, but um, I was challenged because I, I go and pray with a lot of people in my life, but I didn't pray with my dad you know, because of a natural reserve, because it's, we've never done that as a family out loud. And I was saying to people, do you know what I've never done when I've gone to visit him? I've never prayed and I've never read the Bible with him. And one day I thought, Judy, this is quite ridiculous. He's a Christian man. <laughs> um, and I, I just said, Dad, it just occurs to me, I've never really prayed with you. I prayed for you. Can I pray with you? And, and could I just perhaps read a little, you know, bit of the Bible? He said, that would be brilliant. <laughs> and I just thought, how silly that I have put that wall there that I didn't know was there but God highlighted it and he will highlight for us where we've put those walls that have fenced him in and where this year he wants us to be a little bit bold that's not a very bold thing to do he's a gentle guy but it's an example of a wall that I constructed we sing a song break our walls down actually those walls are sometimes ones we've put there and God is saying to us at the start of 2018 I'm limitless I'm all powerful and I can do it. I can actually change this dark world for light. I can get those three people across from North Korea to China. Why? They didn't say that they wanted to get there so that they could all be safe and have a lovely time. She said we can testify across three generations to the goodness of God and the story of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together and I'll just put a few words on the screen for us. I will say the words if that's all right, and I'd love us just to think about praying them in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we cannot contain you or tame you or keep you within our walls. You can surprise us in where we might find you at work. We are your temple and we take you with us. Forgive us for the times when we try to contain you, tame you or underestimate all that you can do. We are ready to be surprised and amazed. 
Habakkuk 1 verse 5 says, Be astounded, be amazed, for I will do things among you that you could not have dreamt up, that actually you wouldn't have believed if someone had told you. I think that's a word for us uh, in, in this city. It's a word for us in our world. Lord, I thank you that in the words of C.S. Lewis, uh, you are not safe, but you are good, <laughs> that we cannot tame you. And Lord, we, we do thank you that you are going to surprise us, that you will put us in places and opportunities to share your love, to share your truth. And Lord, sometimes we won't even say anything. It will be your work that works through us, just sitting with people, just being in your presence with people so that they can say there were three of us there. Lord, we love you. We're amazed by you. May we be more amazed by you in the year to come. Amen.